0: Well, good morning, friends. Are we ready to laugh, cry, and anybody going to take a nap this morning? No, no, I got one honest one over here. <laughs> that was a joke. Okay. Well, if, you're for, if it's your first time here, welcome. We're glad you're here. My name's Sam Spence. I'm on the teaching team, and I'm an elder here. Uh, we're going to jump right in, and go ahead and get out your Bibles. Uh, get turned to Romans 8. We're going to be in verses 1 through 17 just here in a moment. So while you're doing that, I'm going to have y'all multitask already to wake y'all up. So we're going to do a memory verse. And I messed it up first gathering. So y'all are going to have to help me out. Okay? So we're going to read this out loud together. Are we ready? Yeah, okay. Come on. We ready? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's read this together. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I almost messed it up again. Very good, everybody. This is a verse that uh, we're hiding in our hearts. We're, we're trying to memorize this, to talk about it at the dinner table, to teach it to our kids, because it's important to memorize God's word. So how many of you guys have ever been tired to the point of fatigue before? A lot of moms just raise their hands, <laughs> right? Yes, I, I have a seven-month-year-old, and my wife is a superstar. And if you're a mom, you are a superstar. So there have been two times specifically in my life. And this one time in college, that's how every good story starts, right? This one, you, Some of you guys are like, I'm listening now. <laughs> Tell me, Sam. So when I, it, it's not that. But this one time in, in college, I got into weightlifting as a hobby, Okay. And some of you in this room, maybe it's pretty cool. Like, There's a lot to weightlifting. And I got into it because we had a guy on campus, his name was Bicep Jeff. That's what I called him. He had, to this day, the biggest biceps I've ever seen. The dude was jacked. And to make it like, even more obvious, he was ripped as he played electric guitar in the worship band at the small Christian school. And this was back like in the early 2000s where you would wear two polos. Do you guys remember this? You would wear one polo, pop the collar, then slide another one on and fold the collar down. It was really weird. But in doing so, it would bulge on the top of your biceps. And he'd be like, meow, meow. And his, like, biceps were up on stage, and they were, like, glowing. And everybody on campus wanted Bicep Jeff's biceps. And Bicep Jeff, if you're listening to this, hopefully I'm doing you justice right now. So he lived down the hall, um, and our dorm was called Dorcas. It was a really weird name. Um, so we lived in Dorcas. And one day, I, I mustered up the courage. I was like, I want to learn how to get big biceps right? So me and a few friends, we went down and knocked on bicep Jeff's door and said, can you teach us like your workout routine? And he was like, he loved it. So he, we went to the gym and we went through his routine, his diet. I mean, he loved hard boiled eggs and tuna. So I was doing all that. So I did that for about six years. You're looking at me and you're like, it didn't work. (laughs) I'm well aware, (laughs) right? I still look like Gumby. So for six years from about 2010 to six years after that, 2016, I was pretty good about holding to a workout routine. I was in good shape, I had a good core, you know, I was healthy, but as I got older, some of you in this room have found this out, it's more fun to eat than to lift weights. (laughs) Amen, right, that'll preach. It is, I found that a stuffed crust pizza was way better than a day and afternoon in the gym, right? Life happened. So fast forward four more years after that, COVID happens, right? And there's something that happened to, to co- during COVID. And as my belly started to pooch out, right? So I, my wife and I, we were like, we need to get a gym membership. And I said, let's do it, you know? Like, let, I'm all about that. So we went, and when you go to the gym, you got to look good, right? Because why go to the gym if you're not rocking cool stuff? So we got all geared up, you know? We, we go to the gym, I got my new bag, and I just right to the weights, I was kind of rude. You can ask my wife how this went. I ignored her for like an hour and a half. And I knew what I was going to do. I was going to do Bicep Jeff's workout routine. It's been four years since I've done anything. Some of you guys are laughing already because you know how this is going to go. I was very dumb in that moment. So I go, I get the same weights, the same reps. I pull out my notebook, and I I get to work. Yeah, (laughs) but I did it. I did the same weights, the same reps, the same breaks, the same water. I got the same supplement I was using. I wasn't going to do the same diet because I still like pizza. So I was on a mission, and I get done, and I feel pumped up, like more pumped up than I've ever felt. I was like, yeah, you know? You guys have been there. But then the next day happened. That oh, yeah was an oh, no. Because when I woke up, I did not know. I, I couldn't straighten my arms. I would try to put them down, and they'd go, Urgh right back up I was like walking around like this you try to put a cup of coffee in my hand it would go right to the floor (laughs) that was rough some of us have been there but fatigue my body was not ready for the beating I was about to give it right and what's crazy is the same thing happens to us spiritually spiritual fatigue can set in We can be spiritually strong for a while. We can be spiritually trained. We can be good in the word. We can be good in prayer. We can have good church attendance, right? We can go through seasons, but sometimes seasons of life come where we just beat after beat after beat after temptations, these desires to sin, these desires to live in the flesh, and sometimes we become spiritually fatigued and we end up giving in. We ended up doing the things that we don't want to do. Remember the doo-doo passages last week? Why do I do the things I do not want to do, but I do the the doo-doos, right? That's the doo-doo passage. That's the tension, because as Christ followers, we're tempted. We can be tempted over and over and over again, and it can wear us down, and we can become fatigued. Maybe for you, it's a a thought that pops in your mind, or you're looking on your phone, and an image comes up, and you get triggered. Oftentimes, these temptations feel like waves in the ocean if you've ever been to the beach. Just bam, one after the other, one after the other. And if you are not ready, if you are not prayed up, if you are not bonded to what makes you strong, if you are not having a relationship with God, you will find yourself in a moment of weakness doing something that you do not want to do. We've all been there, right? And in those moments, we fail, we become spiritually fatigued. And if that's you today, okay, first of all, I'm glad you're here. Okay, so glad you hear it. This message is for me, it's for you. But if you are feeling spiritually fatigued, if you are struggling with a habitual addiction, sin, whatever it is, our prayer for you is that you lean into this message and hear what God has for you this morning. This is the tension we've been talking about the past few weeks in Romans. The sin of living in the flesh, what I want to do, or to live in the spirit, which is what God wants for us. And that's what Romans chapter 8 is, is all about. We're called to live in the Spirit. And we're going to see it's a capital S Spirit for the Holy Spirit. So, who's ready for that? Who's ready to learn something? Yeah. Woo! All right, let's go ahead and we'll stand up. Uh, here when we read the Bible at New Hope, we stand up to honor God's Word. So, pull out Romans 8, <clears throat> and we're, you'll follow along. I'll read starting in verse 1. And I'll be reading through NIV. So let's go. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteousness requirement of the law might be fully met in us. We do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace and peace the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to god it does not submit to god's law nor can it do nor can it do so those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please god you however are not in the realm of the flesh but are in the realm of the spirit if indeed the spirit of god lives in you and if anyone does not have the spirit of christ they do not belong to christ but if christ is in you even though your body is subject to death because of sin the spirit gives life and because of righteousness because of righteousness And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit that lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have no obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption and sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are his children, then we are his heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share and his glory. Let's go to prayer. Let's go in prayer before we jump in. God, I thank you for this word. God, I, I thank you for Jesus and I thank you for sending us the Holy Spirit. We sang a moment ago, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here, and we want to formally welcome you again, Holy Spirit. Use me in this time, God. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, y'all can have a seat. So let's start here, okay? There's a word that, showed, that has shown up 17 times in verses 1 through 17 and 22 times total in chapter 8, and that is the word spirit, okay? And you're going to notice this is the word spirit with a capital S, and anytime you're seeing spirit with a capital S in the Bible, it is referring to the Holy Spirit, okay? So what is the Holy Spirit? We're going to talk about that. We're gonna study what the Holy Spirit is this morning because in order to understand how to live in the Spirit, what we're being called to do in Romans 8, we need to understand what the Spirit is and what He does. We good? Okay, so we're gonna do some Bible learning. So whip out them notes. We're we're gonna jump right in. This is your first fill-in. I'm sorry, that's not a fill-in. That's your fill-in. Fill that in. The Holy Spirit is co-equal with God the Father and God the Son. And I have thrown in um, some Bible references in your notes, because we're going to go through a lot, and you're going to want to discover this for yourself later. So that's in there. So we see that the Holy Spirit in Scripture is, is co-equal with God the Father and God the Son. Um, so remember in the New Testament, Jesus told his disciples to go and be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that was in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Notice it didn't say, I now baptize you in God the Father only, or I now baptize you in God the Son only. I baptize you in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Equally, God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You also see in one of Paul's letters, when he was tying up the end of his letter, he linked the Holy Spirit with God the Father and God the Son. And you see this in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. It says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. He wouldn't have said this if all three weren't equal, equally God. And lastly, check this out in 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 4 through 6. When when God is at work with each three members of the the Trinity, we're going to talk about the Trinity or the Godhead here in a minute, he describes them as working together, co equals. And at times in Scripture, the Holy Spirit is mentioned first, even before God the Father and God the Son. How can it be, it'd be impossible to be lifted first, listed first if they weren't co-equal. So we mentioned Trinity a minute ago, and I, w- I want to talk about that to make sure we understand what the Trinity means. Um, and if you've been around church for a while or, or another church, you've heard either the Godhead or, or Trinity, this is the relationship between God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, so you have Father is God, Son is Jesus, Holy Spirit is Holy Spirit, right? That one's, that one's the easy one. So this we're piggybacking on our first main point, but we need to understand this one here. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are distinct persons. Each person is fully God. So that means... God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit—they are all God and all equal. We see that countless times through Scripture. So, first of all, the Bible speaks about God, God the Father, as God in Philippians one two. We see Scripture describe Jesus as God in Titus two thirteen, and the Holy Spirit is also called God in Acts five three through four. So you have three, your, your Trinity. Fully God, but distinct in personhood. Think about it this way. We'll break it down another level. You guys know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world, he said. Okay, so think about that. God cannot be the same person as the Son because God sent the Son, right? Likewise, after the Son returned to the Father in, in John 16.10, in, in, and also in John 14.26, the Father and the Son together sent the Holy Spirit to the world. So therefore, the Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Son are all equally God but have distinct personhood. Each member of this trinity or this Godhead is a distinct person and fully God. And this is where bad theology has snuck into some churches over the years because I've heard it argued that, well, if God's divided three ways, does that make each one of them one-third God? No, no. It, it doesn't work that way because if you use pie, I love pie, pie's great. You have a piece of pie, you cut it in thirds and you take a piece of pie and you say, is this a whole pie? It's less than a whole pie, correct? So we can't think about it this way. I have a diagram that's going to help um, and I also have a friend I invited. He's never been here before so you'll have to give him a warm welcome in a minute. So here's, here's the Trinity, okay, the relationship between God, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. You have God the Father, you have Jesus the Son and you have the Holy Spirit. God the Father is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Son. God is not Jesus. However, God, the Father is God. The Holy Spirit is God. The Son is God. Does that hurt anybody's brain? No. I got some no's and I got some yeses. That's okay. What we're, what we're seeing, and like I said, I got a friend coming. He's gonna make this crystal clear. We're gonna remember it forever. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all God, all equal, each, per, each one has personhood. We're going to talk about that in just a minute on what that means. So the Holy Spirit's kind of a big deal, right? It, it should change the way we think about what's living inside of us because what we have living inside of us is co-equal with God. So I promised a friend, he's a big deal, he's a local artist, he's a local entertainer, He's going to help us understand this a little more. Would you welcome to the stage my friend Rob Boss? Come on out, Rob.
1: Hello, friends. My name is Ra. No, what is it? Rob Boss. And this is the joys of the painting of the stuff. We're so glad you're with us. I want to help you understand the Trinity today, but every time before I use my brush, I clean it and then you have to beat the devil out of it. That's right, because there's no devil in the Trinity. That's for sure. So let me describe and help us understand how the Trinity works. So Here we have three distinct separate colors, right? These colors, blue represents God the Father. The red represents God the Son, Jesus, as the blood that was shed for us. And then the Holy Spirit is yellow because he's happy. He's a happy Holy Spirit. Brings joy in your heart and your soul. Okay, so each one of these colors cannot be made. They always exist. They are primary colors. You can't mix two colors to make any one of these colors. These colors are always just are. They're always blue. They're always red. They're always yellow. You can't mix to make any of these colors. And so whenever you see the Holy Spirit, the Son, the Father, each of them have their individual personhood, right? That they are distinct in what they do. But when you mix these colors together, I'm going to start with red. You have... Jesus present, and then God the Father, when he he is present in the Godhead as well, and so he is active and alive and working, and then the last is the Holy Spirit working, and the thing with color is that when you start to mix all three of these colors together, you get the color brown, it's a little bit more red. Now, here's the amazing thing about the color brown. You cannot get brown by mixing any other colors. You can only get true brown when you mix even red, blue, and yellow to get brown, which is my favorite color because happy little trees. (laughs) And a stick. (laughs) So the trinity... The Trinity is like the color brown. All three are distinct, but all three are always present. They're always working. All three together are God. Just like the color brown is all blue, all red, all yellow at all times, thus is God. Well, I hope this has helped. Keep painting, friends. God bless.
0: Wow. (laughs) Thanks, Rob. So all joking around, um, that helps, right? I mean, seriously, that's a simple version. So, So back to the Holy Spirit, okay? We got a little bit more to travel this morning, and then we're gonna end up back in Romans 8, I promise. But we do need to understand what the Holy Spirit is, what he does, because so many times... This just doesn't get talked about in a church setting. The Holy Spirit's not talked about a whole lot, but we need to understand this. So let's let's get our fill-ins again. Let's fill in another one. Here we go. The Holy Spirit is a he, not an impersonal force. So I would define an impersonal force like gravity or something like that. We just learned that the Holy Spirit has personhood. We're gonna dissect that a little bit more in a moment. So once you guys are writing that point, I'm going to throw another one at you because I plan super well ahead. You ready for your next one? Back to back. Here we go. There we go. The Holy Spirit has qualities of personhood. Write that down. Because Scripture shows the Holy Spirit has personhood by the fact, and this is in your notes right under this fill-in, that he, he speaks, we see that in Hebrews 3, 7. The Holy Spirit reasons, we see this in Acts 15, 28. We see the Holy Spirit thinks and understands, sounds personhood, right? That's 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11. The Holy Spirit wills, 1 Corinthians 12, 11. Uh, He The Holy Spirit feels, Ephesians 4, 30. The Holy Spirit gives personal fellowship in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Sounds like qualities of personhood, right? Absolutely. So, so when we think of these qualities, like th- those, those fill-ins right there, we kind of think of a person, right? Like a physical being, like a human, right? So it's different with the Holy Spirit. Because anytime we see the Holy Spirit in Scripture, it, he, he kind of comes and then he kind of goes, right? There's really no physical body. So the Holy Spirit we, we see in Scripture is the man on fire, Okay, in Ezekiel chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, we also see the Holy Spirit described as the dove that descends on Jesus in Luke chapter 3, verse 22, Um, and he's seen and felt like the wind in Acts chapter 2, verses 2. So every time we see the Holy Spirit show up in a physical form, he would quickly vanish in Scripture the only glimpses of the Holy Spirit remaining after these sightings, after he was physically gone, not being seen or felt anymore, the Holy Spirit would only be seen or felt through a person in which the Holy Spirit empowered. So you've heard us talk about this before. When you are a Christ follower, when you ask Jesus into your life, you are given this Holy Spirit we are talking about. We see this in 1 Corinthians uh, 6.19. It says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God and that you are not your own? So, next fill-in. We're really slamming these together. Oh, I'm sorry. Jumped ahead. Um, next fill-in. There's no slide. It'll say your physical, the Holy Spirit's physical body is you. Write that down. So that means if you are a Christ follower, you are a carrier Of God in spirit form. Does that change your thinking a little bit? Because it should. Because that means by that logic, and it's true, you are connected to God right now when you go home, when you're in the car, through this Holy Spirit. And out of that perfect union, we live in this flesh on this earth. So if you, that means if you are a Christ follower, we shouldn't be fighting to connect with God because we're already connected with God through the Spirit. So why do so often we pray to try to connect to God when we're already connected to God? We need to pray out of our connection to God because we are connected. When we worship, we don't worship because we need to connect with God through worship. We already are connected to God through worship. We worship out of that connection from God. When you read your Bible, you don't read your Bible to connect with God. You read your Bible to learn about the connection you have with God through the Holy Spirit. Does that change your view on the Holy Spirit a little bit? Because it should. You've got a roommate. You've got a darn good roommate. You want to hear what Jesus says about your roommate? Jesus says, uh, this is in John 16, 6 through 8, Uh, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, But because I have said these things to you, grief has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I am leaving. For if I do not leave, the Helper, talking about the Holy Spirit, capital H, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him, okay, Holy Spirit with masculine pronouns, send him to you. And he, when he comes, he will convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment. So let's, let's break this down. These are people, the, the, we're talking about the disciples. They were sad because Jesus was leaving, right? And I would be too, right? You've experienced all these miracles and now they are, they're sad, they're freaking out, they're stressed, grief has filled their hearts. But, but what does Jesus say? He says, something better is coming. That's, that would be hard for me to understand. I, I hear it all the time. People say, I wish I could go back to when Jesus was on the, this earth and walk with Jesus. I would too, that's, that's great. But what's really cool is we see here in John, Jesus says, I am actually gonna send you something better than me, and we know that that has been done already. We have access to that, and that is the Holy Spirit. You have access to the Holy Spirit through a relationship with Jesus. Jesus said it humbly something better is coming because it can be with you 24-7. Jesus says, I can't be with you 24-7. We know, we've talked about it. When you accept Jesus, you get access to this Holy Spirit, God in spirit form. It resides in you. What was once just merely an empty vessel controlled by our flesh, our own selfish desires, this body is now also the house, the temple of God, the Holy Spirit. Lastly, I want to look at what the Holy Spirit does within us. We see this in John chapter 16, uh, 13 through 14. Sorry, I, my brain shut off for a minute. <laughs> Woo. But when he, talking about the Spirit, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take from mine and will disclose it to you. God's writing us into his story. He's chosen us through the Spirit to lead us. So these are your last points on the Holy Spirit. Go ahead and fill these in. These are, well, this is what the Holy Spirit does, right? We've got the Holy Spirit will guide, the Holy Spirit will comfort, the Holy Spirit will intercede, and the Holy Spirit will convict. Again, you've got your Bible references under these. I encourage you, if, if you're learning um, some this morning, go in and read John 14, 26. Learn about how the Holy Spirit guides. Read Romans eight 14. We, we're going through that now. We just read it. And we're going to spend most of our time here on point four, this conviction part, because the Holy Spirit plays a huge role in conviction. And so I'm going to give us a little teaser. I want you to think about something. Uh, We're we're almost done this morning, but I want you to think about something for a little bit. And that's this. If you are a Christ follower here today, are you letting the Holy Spirit do these things in your life? Are you letting the Holy Spirit guide you? Are you letting the Holy Spirit comfort you? Are you letting the Holy Spirit intercede? And are you listening? Because the Holy Spirit will convict. Are you listening when the Holy Spirit convicts you, when God convicts you. We, we have to understand this. We have to understand the weight of what is inside of you, God in spirit form. You have God as a roommate. So that's why we're talking about this. So let's, let's jump into Romans 8, 5 through 8, and I'll be uh, reading through NASB up here. For those who are in accord with the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are in accord with the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, for the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. goes on in verse 7. Because the mind is set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot... Please, God. Do you guys remember last week, there was this cool analogy up on stage and they were pulling Nat back and forth? The tension of what's happening inside of us as Christ followers, the desire to live for our flesh. Well, I wanna do it. And then living for the spirit. This is talking about that tension. And the, the simplest way we can make it is by this statement right here. This is a fill-in down towards the bottom. What you feed grows and what you starve dies. I was listening to a message preparing for this and I couldn't put it any better than the way this pastor put it. So simple. Think about a plant. If you water it and you put it in the sun, what's it going to do? It's going to grow. If it's in my house, it's going to die either way. <laughs> Sorry to tell you that. But if you don't water it and you put it in the dark, it's going to die. Same as with sin. If, but sins, if you put sin in the dark, it's going to grow if people don't know about it, if you don't have that accountability. This is what's happening in regards to what's happening inside of us of this spirit versus the flesh. If you feed your fleshy nature, if you hide your sins in the dark, if you feed it, if you indulge, it grows. But if you bring that sin to light, it dies. When you feed your spirit, okay, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, when you allow the spirit to take over and we start to starve our fleshy desires. That's where true life happens, and that's what we're talking about. Because what you feed grows and what you starve dies. So Romans chapter 8, it's telling us to live in the Spirit. In order to live in the Spirit, we need to do things. This is your last fill-in before we get to our application and close out. We need to feed the Spirit and starve our flesh. So that means when we're tempted to sin, When those temptations, those waves keep hitting us over and over and over again, when you feel you're going to get fatigued, we need to starve that desire. We need to learn to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit, God in spirit form. And this is why we need to remember who the Holy Spirit is. The power you have access to. Jesus said, I'm going to send you something better before he went away. Jesus was saying, I'm all right, but you're going to get something that will guide you, that will comfort you, that will be here with you 24-7, that will intercede, that will convict, that will help write you in to my unfolding story I have for you. Don't take my word for it. Let's jump back into Romans verses 12 through 13. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have, one obli- we have, we, we have no, I should say no obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. It says what, church? He says you, you have no obligation. You don't have to do it. You may feel like you're stuck with a sin or a temptation. Man, I, mean, I got to do this. Man, I got to get high today. I got to look at this on this computer. I am so depressed. You have no obligation. If you are a Christ Father, you don't have to do it. You're not stuck. I've got a way out, and that way out is God. That is the Holy Spirit. Because what you feed grows, and what you starve dies. Here's the good news, okay? This is Romans 14 through 17. It goes on to say this. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, those are, those are sons and daughters of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery. It says, you are not slaves, This sin isn't that great, and you're you don't have to be afraid, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Goes on in 16. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. That is a big statement. If indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. I want you to get this because this is the good news. What you feed grows and what you starve dies. If through the power of the spirit you put to death the deeds of your flesh, you will live. So we need to feed our spirit, starve our flesh. I think, no, I I know there are people here today that need to start starving your flesh. Maybe for you, you've been plagued with the, this repetitive sin for years and you still struggle with it. Maybe it started out as innocent. Maybe it found you. Maybe it was a picture in a magazine 20 years ago that transformed into a huge porn addiction. Maybe this thing in your life, it's got its fangs, its talons just dug in, and you're living in fear, anxiety, But I would challenge you, after knowing this truth in Romans, it may feel like that, but that's not the reality. There is no obligation. You don't have to do anything. You have God in spirit form inside of you. Are you gonna starve those desires and let God do what he can do through the Holy Spirit? Think about it this way. Matthew 5.19 says, if your right eye causes you to stumble gouge it out and throw it away, it's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown in hell. I'm going to tell a story. In April 2003, Aaron Ralston was climbing alone through the Blue John Canyon in eastern Wayne County, Utah. He was free face rock climbing. While he was descending the lower stretches of the Slot Canyon, a suspended boulder came off the mountain and crushed and pinned him into the side of the mountain he, he was stuck there and some of you guys and gals may know this story but uh Aaron hadn't he he didn't let anyone know where he was going help wasn't coming he was stuck his arm was crushed he wasn't going anywhere he was going to die The story goes on, there's even a movie about this. I'm not gonna be too graphic with this because the Wikipedia version is quite disgusting. (laughs) I'll be honest. Aaron realized that he was gonna die. I don't know how many days went by. He realized he was gonna die unless he made a radical decision. He realized in order to live, he had to cut off his own arm. I hope I am never in that position physically, right? That stuck arm was gonna cost him his life. And not being gross, he decided it was better to be alive with one arm than two arms. And he cut his own arm off. And he's alive to this day. But what does that mean for you and for us spiritually? Because I think we do have to make a decision like this. It may, it may be a radical decision. There may be a spiritual amputation that might need to happen in your life this morning. Because what sin, what habit, what addiction is holding you back from living in the spirit what has you trapped? What has you snared? What repetitive sin needs to be amputated out of your life today? What's keeping you from living in the spirit? Maybe for you, you need to admit it's food. <laughs> I eat too much and I know it. I need to stop eating too much. I need to do portion control. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray out to God today. God, please help me. Give me the power. Guide me, comfort me with your spirit, God. I'm gonna make radical decisions. I'm gonna stop eating for five. I'm gonna eat for one. Maybe you need to admit this morning you're powerless over materialism. You love things, you love shiny things, you love shopping. You keep buying, buying, wanting, wanting. Maybe this morning you need to admit that you're powerless over worry. You're the the worrier, you're always worried about something. Maybe it's kids, the economy. Even if it's out of your control, what is it for you? Or maybe for you, the big one sexual addiction. It's not just men. Maybe it's porn. Matthew 5.30 says, if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away, it's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to go to hell. We got an arm and an eye, right? That'll preach. It is better to radically amputate sin out of your life than to cause your whole body to go to hell, to die because of it. So this morning, if you're struggling with something, if you're experiencing something, the first step's admitting it admitting I have a problem and I need help, right? I want to give you a moment to think about that. What sin, what addiction is ruling your life? Is a sexual sin, porn, lust, greed, gossip, drugs, getting drunk, gluttony, laziness, anger, pride, envy? What? What is it? You got to call it what it is. Because today, before you leave, you're going to have an opportunity to start that amputation process. We're going to have people up front that want to pray with you. We know Stuff's going on. We feel the weight of that as a leadership. But you've got to admit to yourself first I have a problem, and I need help, and I need God's help. And, and, and do everything you can do so God can show up and do what He does. So, this is what radical amputation looks like. If you've got a porn addiction, get rid of your computer. Like, I'm talking radical stuff. I don't care if it's a $2,000 gaming computer, it needs to go. If you're looking at it on your phone and you can't quit, you may, maybe it's time to get rid of the phone. Right? Get a flip phone. I don't know if you can still do that. Do something. If you can't stop overspending, you need to probably destroy your credit cards. Start budgeting. Use cash. Shred it up. If you can't stop smoking dope or popping pills, flush them down the toilet. Delete your dealer's number out of your phone. Move in with family. Radically amputate everything you can physically do. So God can do what he does. Because God will, he will glorify. He will guide, he will comfort, he will intercede, and he will convict. So this morning, if you're feeling convicted, it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit. Because that's what he does. He convicts. He says, something's not right. I want you to be right. We can go ahead and dim the lights. So what is that radical thing for you today? Because I just said it a moment ago. Christ follower or not, if you're feeling conviction right now, it's God. Because God convicts the unbeliever to a relationship with him. So if you're in that boat today and you want to learn more about the Holy Spirit, come find, well, I'll be down here to pray with you. Pastor Jim will be over here, Tim will be down here, Nikki will be down here, our prayer team's available. If you're feeling conviction this morning, God is telling you something. What is God calling you to do today? Because if you're feeling conviction, it's the Holy Spirit. God says, do everything you can do so I can do what I do best. So it's as simple as this. If you're feeling this conviction, God is leading you. And what are you going to do with it? Worship team, you, you can come on up. Because this is what's going on inside of us. Are we going to choose to live in our flesh this morning? Or are we going to say, yes, God? Yes, sir, I I want some of that. I want to truly experience life to the fullest. I want you to lead my life. Because the Holy Spirit, he wants to lead you. He wants you to say things to people. He wants you to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this community. He wants you to be a part of God's plan if you would just let him. If you would stop doing whatever you want to do, looking at things you want to look at, smoking and drinking things you want, to, you, you, you want to do to feel good, you know? When you let the Spirit of God guide you, here's what happens. You will not gratify the desires of your flesh because you know the weight of what's inside of you. And, I, and I'm not telling you, when you come to know Jesus, temptations go away because they don't. Okay? I know that firsthand. That's bad theology. If you are a Christ follower, Jesus himself was tempted, but he never sinned. So J- Jesus isn't a relationship with Jesus isn't going to fix anything. Sometimes it might make it even harder. But when you ask Jesus into your life, you have power. You have God's power in spirit form living in you. God has helped me and he wants to help you. And we learned we have no obligation. We don't have to be trapped. We just have to do everything we can do, pray to God and let him do what he does. So, church, let's let's bow our heads in an attitude of prayer. We're gonna sing a song in this moment. As I pray, I want you to, to listen to the spirit. I want you to listen to God. Say, God, what are you telling me? What is this conviction? Let's pray, God. Thank you for sending Jesus and thank you for sending us the Holy Spirit to guide, to comfort, to intercede, and God, to convict. God, I want to pray for those that are feeling conviction this morning, God, that they will know that it is, it is from you and it is good. Please give them the strength, the courage to step into that conviction. Whatever, whatever they're experiencing this morning, whatever struggle or desire they're trying to fight off, I pray that this morning we would understand the weight of our actions and that we would begin to walk in obedience. Because, God, we know there's freedom in your name. God, we love you. Spirit, we invite you here in this moment of worship. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you want prayer,